Future Proof Extra from News Talk. Evolution is a generational thing, and, and it makes sense to say that fruit flies might evolve at a faster rate than humans because longer lifespan, slower evolution. Makes sense, right? It's not quite that simple, though. Lawrence D. Hurst, Professor of Evolutionary Genetics and Director of the Milner Center for Evolution at the University of Bath, joins me now. Hi, Lawrence. How are you? Oh, very good, thank you. Do you mind if I um, start off by just asking you about um, the, the D bit, the middle initial? Is that... Uh, a, why, why, why do you do that with the, with the Lawrence D. Hurst? Because I was thinking about doing that. I don't know if I could pull it off. It's sort of Jonathan oh, J. McRae. It's for, it's for um, very dull reasons. Um, it's because there's another L. Hurst who um, uh. also appears in a similar literature. And so if I put myself down as L. Hurst, we'd get confused. Oh, I see. Okay. So but it makes you sound very august, if I may say well, so. Well, Professor Lawrence D. Hurst. Yeah, very <laughs> Now, on to the topic uh, at hand. Sometimes the, the, you know, the answers to those are just completely what you don't expect. But this is actually not one of those cases. So let's talk about genetics. Um, how fast are we evolving as a species? Do, do, I mean, because we have this idea, as I say, that um, that evolution is something that happened and is not happening anymore, particularly in humans. But but it must be, right? Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is, but just not necessarily in the same manner as it's been happening a long time in the past. Um, so how fast? Well, we can put some sort of numbers on that. So if we take our DNA, for example, and we compare that to the DNA of chimps, we can find exactly the same genes in the two, but they're not quite exactly the same, and that's because of evolution. Um, and so we can we, we know that our DNA is uh, on the average it's about ninety eight point six percent the same as chimp DNA right. for example and then if you know how long ago we had a common ancestor and that you can get from fossil records and things like that that's probably about six million years but it might be up to about nine uh, well then you can just do the maths and you can say well there's a certain amount of DNA change over a certain amount of time and then you can get a rate out of that. But the, the idea that um, we might be uh, evolving differently comes down to the idea that because of the amazing modern healthcare that we have, we've been released from a lot of natural selection. Mm. And we certainly have a lot of evidence, uh, in, in fact, very recent evidence that this is, in fact, going on. Um, so, for example, if you look at 1900, you get data from uh, a number of hospitals on the uh, death rates, the mortality rates of infants. And what you find is that at about 1900, if you were too big, you tended to die as a baby. And if you were too little, you tended to die as a baby. And there was a sort of sweet spot in between. Um, and of course, early mortality is one of the key forms of mortality for just about any species, but particularly humans. Mm. But now if we look at data coming out now, that uh, relationship is all but flat. So we can keep the really big babies alive, we can keep the really little babies alive, and that sort of sweet spot has gone away. So the consequence of this is, yes, modern healthcare is taking away an awfully large amount of natural selection. And you only have to think about vaccines that protect us from the diseases that would have killed us or mm. antibiotics, which again cure us of diseases which otherwise would have killed us. So because of this, because of this tendency for us to be able to stay alive and to reproduce, the idea is that a lot of natural selection has been removed from the human population. The question then is, what does that actually do to our net rate of evolution of our DNA? Does it mean it goes up or does it mean it goes down? Yeah. And um, I, I don't think the, the case is uh, really well known, but I think there's an argument to be made that actually our DNA might now be evolving 
faster than it was be uh, before because of this. Now, before we go uh, into before we go into that, um, uh, Lawrence, I actually want to ask you a question that some people kind of flow up. And this is this idea that we are de-evolving as a result of removing the the, the pressure of of selection. So, um, uh, you know, uh, the a a human being that was particularly um, uh, unintelligent or slow or unhealthy, you know, a thousand years ago, probably wouldn't get to pass its genes on very, you know, again and again. And now, as you say, we have this sort of cushion for lots of different things, uh, um, you know, both in our society and in it, where people who are who are born either disadvantaged in any other way, and I'm not talking about from, from a species because I realise it's politically yeah. a little bit um, touched to think about, but actually we are... Um, if we look at it from from an animal point of view, we're we're we're, we're kind of cushioning the entire race from uh, from from passing down um, from not being able to pass down genes. And and is there a is there a, an argument that that people have that that we are there's actually de-evolving de from from yeah? There's from absolutely an argument that, that that because of the cushiness of select of the removal of selection because of nice warm houses, the fact that we've got brilliant healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. We've taken away a lot of selection. So we should be accumulating uh, DNA changes, which in generations past would have been pretty bad for you, but now they're okay. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking so, of that scene in... So, so what, we, what we can see, for example, is that in other places around the world where they don't have modern healthcare, we still see evidence, for example, for evolution for resistance to malaria, for example, in some parts of sub-Saharan Africa. Right. So we can see, see evidence that their DNA is still changing very fast because they're trying to keep up to pace with uh, malaria, so to speak. And in South uh, Africa as well, we see evidence of increases in frequency of mutations that enable resistance to HIV, for example. Now, so, hang on a second, um, Lawrence. HIV is a very recent discovery. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and so... How on earth could we be seeing those sort of changes so quickly? Because we talk about two generations, not, yeah, even, no, not um, even three. I think I think that's a, a very good question. But um, so the particular mutation, and you may recall that not so long ago, week ago, two weeks ago, there was a Chinese scientist who genetically engineered some human embryos. Mm. Do you remember that story? Yeah. Um, what he was actually doing was he was putting the mutations into those individuals, which, which we've discovered enable this HIV resistance. That's actually what he was engineering in. Yeah. Um, and so this came about, this was discovered by observations of a number of South African prostitutes who had very high exposure to HIV, but none of them were catching HIV. And it turned out that there was one mutation in a particular gene, which they had, which gave them resistance to HIV. And of course, they then survive and they get to uh, pass on the, that particular mutation, what mm. have you. Now, uh, so sub-Saharan Africa, HIV, yeah, these things are very modern. Um, we're being protected from much of this by vaccines, by antibiotics, et cetera, et cetera, not that I would protect you from HIV. But it doesn't mean that selection has gone away in the West. So there's been a very recent study in uh, America of a thing called the Framingham Heart Study. So this is a multi-generation study in America, and they were looking to see uh, what had changed and what genetical traits had changed over time. And they found some very interesting things. Only over one, two generations, there'd been um, increase in frequencies of mutations that give you a lower heart uh, blood pressure and lower your cholesterol as well. And of course, what people think is what this is. This is a very 
very subtle but detectable response to a change in diet. Um, so because we've now got this very fat-rich, high-salt diet, that is killing people. <laughs> so that's the new threat to us. It's not right. so much uh, bacteria uh, infections. Uh, but the threat to us is actually our diet um, and the lack of exercise. But we're seeing adaptation to that in America. But responses to diet are actually very common within human populations as a whole. So historically, we know that there are at least two, if not four, independent evolutions of the ability of humans around some parts of the world, particularly in Ireland, as it happened. Northwest Europe is one of the particular hotspots for this, for the ability to digest lactose as adults. So we can all um, drink milk as babies, and all mammals can drink milk as babies, of course. That's what uh, it is to be a mammal. You know, we, we're born, brought up on, uh, on milk. But for all other mammals, what happens is that we don't then drink milk after, mm. and so you shut down the genes that enable you to digest milk. Right. Well, twice, as I said, twice independently in human history, the gene that enables you to digest the sugars in milk has been switched back on again by a genetic mutation. We can follow that genetic mutation in populations. Mm. That then goes hand in hand with the use of cows and cattle for milk production. Um, so, for example, in East Asia, where cows are never used for milk production, what you find is that less than 5% of the population can actually digest milk properly. And if you give them milk, uh, that will just induce horrible diarrhea. Whereas in places like Ireland and Northwest Europe more generally, uh, that comparable figure is 90% plus. So nearly all Irish folks can digest milk as adults and we do um, and so, do and you do and very nice it is too so and interestingly it looks as though the cows have co-adapted as well so they've been evolving along with us to to uh, be able to produce milk that is easier for us to digest as well wow uh, amongst other things so that's happened twice there's another independent evolution in uh africa as well this ability to digest milk um, and the other places where we see humans still evolving um is high altitude so high altitude, humans are not adapted for the most part. So if I went to live in the high Andes, I'll get short of breath very rapidly. But of course, the people who first went to climb Everest, for example, were amazed that the locals could uh, sort of skip up Everest without oxygen packs uh, and what have you. But we now know why, and that's because there have been three independent evolutions of the ability to live at high altitude, one in the Andes, one in Ethiopia, and one in uh, Tibet. And in fact, the one in the example in Tibet looks as though it's the fastest evolution that we know about in humans because that's gone from uh, a very rare trait 3,000 years ago to a point where just about all high high altitude Tibetans can now live at high altitude comfortably wow. uh, because of their ability to um, uh, uh, suck up the oxygen what little oxygen there is in the air much more efficiently that's amazing uh, it is you know that's so that's just 3,000 years so that's rapid evolution. The, the spread of lactose tolerance in Europe is probably one of the strongest selections that happened in the last, that's probably the last 5,000 years or so. And we think there was somewhere between a 10 and a 20% advantage to the individuals who could actually digest milk as adults. So it's, it's not even, a, that one's not even a, a subtle effect. Let, uh, just, um, I wanted to ask you finally um, about the, the length of humans, because uh, we have become um, a, a species that have almost doubled our lifespan in the space of a century yeah. in, in the Western world. What does that Coming mean for, for the, the speed of evolution? Does that mean um, well, that, that it's going to really happen faster or slower? Question. That's a really interesting question, because at first sight, you might think that what that means is that um, maybe evolution would go slow, because as you correctly pointed out, one of the big predictors of the rate of evolution and how fast DNA evolves 
is the length of the generation. So mice and rats, for example, we know from their DNA, they evolve a little bit faster than we do per unit time. Um, and that's just because they have more generations per unit time. So that they'll have a generation you know, within a year, they'll reproduce within a year after being born, for example. So you might think that lengthening our generation time is going to slow down evolution. Mm. It might not be that, that simple. And it might not be that simple for um, uh, a very good reason. That is, we know that nearly all new mutations that come into the population come from men. They come from the males. And the reason for that is that when men make sperm, they have a bunch of cells that divide. Some of the progeny make sperm and the others stay as what we call a stem cell. So they, they live to uh, divide another day, so to speak. And the older you are, the more cell divisions that these uh, stem cells will have had. Mm. And the, mo the major source of mutation is things being getting wrong when you copy DNA when you divide a cell. So what we know is that most new mutations come from men. And older men, therefore, are also a much bigger source of new mutations. So, so basically, if you have an older older dad, it's going to. So you're, you're, we know this that your chance of a genetic disease goes up if your dad was older. Right. So, we think that the best estimates we have at the moment is if you're about a twenty-year-old dad, your kids probably have about twenty new mutations from you, ten to twenty new mutations from you. If you're a fifty, sixty-year-old dad, now that's pushing it a bit, I admit. But if you're a 50, 60-year-old dad, then it's probably more like 80 to 100 new mutations. And um, it goes up uh, over time. So, and, so and, it, and that usually means a surprise, um, both on behalf of the, the parents and also a surprise in terms of the mixed bag of genes that you might get. We have to go, um, Lawrence, but that was really fascinating. Professor Lawrence Hurst uh, at the University of Bath, Bath thank you very much. Mm -hmm.